your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. It's Chelsea, and I am recording live from the UK. If you've been tuning in the last few episodes, I have been bopping all around Europe as I am newly single and I am figuring out where I want to live next, what I want to do. I mean, obviously I have what I want to do, but I mean what I want to do in terms of living. Like, do I want to settle down somewhere? Do I want to keep bopping around every few months? So yeah, right now I'm in my friend's house in the UK up north. I'm going to go to Manchester this weekend. And then I was supposed to fly home pretty quickly after that, but I really loved London. So now I'm considering staying in London for a few weeks, maybe another month, but we'll see because London is also crazy expensive. And I'm not sure that I want to be there when it gets cold and rainy. But while I am here, if you have any recommendations for Manchester or London, shoot them my way. I'm in a very, very self-care mode right now. So you know, Pilates, facials, lymphatic drainage, anything like that, please shoot it over because I would absolutely love, love, love to do that. And any spiritual stuff. So any tarot card readings, birth chart readings, astrologers, please connect me with them. I would absolutely love to go see one while I'm here. So yeah, shoot them over. Now, since I'm in Europe, I figured why don't I do a solo episode about what it's like living here? Now, I'm going to speak from the context of where I've actually lived, so obviously I haven't lived in every single country in Europe, but I have lived in Germany, I have lived in Spain, and I've spent a lot of time in the UK. So today's episode is going to be what it's like living in Europe, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I'm going to speak again from those specific places I've been, and then of course I'll sprinkle some other things in there based on different countries I've been to. But yeah, I wanted to do this because I know people see me traveling around, And they're like, oh my God, so lucky, jet-setting all over Europe. And I know as Americans, we really romanticize and kind of idolize Europe for the way they carry themselves, the different culture, the food. And that's absolutely true. I love it over here. I love how different things are. But there's also a side to it you don't see. It's an old, old place. Not everything is fast and quick and efficient like it is in America. And I think a lot of people would be surprised when they come over here that they may not actually like it as much as they think from viewing Instagram pictures and stories. So that's why I wanted to cover all these sides today. We're going to go through the good stuff, the things that you may not know, and just some tips and tricks about if you're going to travel to Europe. So let's dive in. The cultures in each country are obviously so different, and I think that's why Americans love coming over here. If you are from Florida, (laughs) this is so funny, and you've been to Epcot, that is what Floridians say when they come here. They're like, oh my god, it's like Epcot, because every country you visit is so different. Like, it changes languages, the food changes, the culture, the people, the weather. So it is really different that you can go from Spain to Germany to France to Budapest and it would be so different every single place you went. And that's why I love coming here because I could just hop on a train or a plane and instantly be in a new world. That is one of my favorite things about living here. Now, in Germany specifically, I found the culture to be very reserved. 
So there's not a lot of emotion. They are very logic driven, very rational. They are not overly enthusiastic or exaggerative. Is that a word? <laughs> I think I just made that up. They don't exaggerate. Let's say that. And it's very much like stay in your lane and don't disrupt anything. A lot of this mentality is from the war. I asked people there when I was over there, and I lived in East Germany, by the way. So East Germany is not the same thing as living in Berlin or Hamburg or a big city. I was in a small, tiny village in East Germany where the older people did not speak English because they just didn't learn in schools, and it was very reserved. They are not super flirty or passionate or enthusiastic. Like I said, it very much is like stay in your lane. Don't talk to me if you don't need anything. If you do, I'm going to answer very short. And Americans definitely have a hard time, I think, adjusting to Germany. Now, obviously, I'm speaking in extremely overgeneralized terms here, but I know most Americans that I talk to when they come to Germany, they're a little bit shocked at how blunt people are or they sometimes seem rude because they don't elaborate. So, for example, if you call a cafe and you're like, oh, hi, do you have Wi-Fi? They'll just be like, no, and hang up the phone. <laughs> they won't be like, no, sorry, we don't have Wi-Fi, but if you go down the street, there's a shop, and then, you know, you could also just use your hotspot. It's not like that. They would literally just say yes or no, and then hang up. They won't really add context to things or elaborate, and they don't really tell you what to do if they don't have the thing that you're looking for. So, like I said, if you ask for Wi-Fi and they're like, no, they're not going to really tell you unless you ask them. So it's very much like, again, no emotion, just efficient, get to the point, logic driven. And some people love that. I will say after living there for almost a year, that's something I picked up where I'm like, I don't need to over explain myself and go into detail and give out, you know, lay out every single reason why I can or can't do something. And that's something that I really appreciated learning from Germans is if I didn't want to do something, they're like, it's okay to just say no. You don't need to, you know, go into 20 different excuses of why you don't want to come drink beer with us or why you don't want to do this. Like, we don't care. We just want to know yes or no. And we want to do invite you. And so, like I said, I, I learned to start doing that in my own life, which has actually helped a lot with business and communicating with people is like, I don't need to over explain myself. So I found that interesting about Germany. I will tell you that most Germans, again, general terms here, think that Americans are definitely exaggerating all the time and that we are we are really over the top in like telling stories and that we are also very limited in our world knowledge. So, you know, they'll mention things about the war or history or, you know, country relations and Americans are just kind of sitting there like, do do do, not really sure what you're talking about unless you studied history or you listen to history podcasts or read history books. I find that Americans know a lot about American history, but we're very limited in world history. I feel like Europeans know a lot about American history and European history, where I don't think it's the same. I don't find that Americans know a ton about European history. So that is kind of interesting that you can look at our education systems and see how different they are. And that when you're talking and, and speaking to Europeans, they will always somehow bring up history. Like there's a history joke or, you know, they'll reference something in history. And again, I found myself kind of like being like, I don't know what you're talking about, or I'm not familiar with that war, or, you know, I'm not really sure how to jump in this conversation. And again, I think it's just an observation. Plus, I want to be clear here. I know some of you are listening right now being like, what are you talking about? I know everything about history. I know world history like the back of my hand. So I'm speaking from my perspective and the Americans that I hang out with. So don't take this as an attack of like, Americans don't know anything. It's how I felt when I went there and the people and the Americans that I hung out with. 
I also find that if you say you're from America, a lot of people think you live in Miami, New York, or LA. And I used to be like, oh my God, America is so big. How does nobody understand that? Like, you don't just live in those three cities. And I thought about it. It's kind of when someone says they're, you from, they're from the UK, you automatically assume they live in London. I always remember people being like, I'm from the UK. And I'm like, oh, they're from London or like maybe Manchester. And I never considered there's a billion other cities they could live in. And I find that's the same with them thinking that, you know, when you're from America, you live in one of those three cities. They also make an assumption that you voted for Trump. So because Trump was our last president, they will make an assumption that you voted for him, even if you didn't. So I did not vote for Trump and people thought I did. And they would go into full on conversations about it and start to bring up politics and want to get into it. And it's just very interesting that there is that assumption that that's who you voted for. Now, with Spanish culture, it's kind of opposite of German culture. It is very passionate, loud, very expressive, you know, always like in conversation, sharing, very open. That's, again, my experience in Spain. And so I feel like it's a lot different than, you know, living in Germany and even the UK. The UK, they're, I find they're like loud and funny and they're open, but they're actually pretty tight-lipped about personal matters I don't find them like really opening up about feelings or anything like that, where I feel like when I talk to people in Spain, that wasn't the case. So in terms of like being a little more reserved than uptight, I found that to be the case in Germany and the UK, but again, not in Spain. Now, housing. <laughs> this is the part where people are like, ah, I don't know if I want to move to Europe. Europe is old. Okay. Let's put that out there. Point blank. When people say it's charming, what they mean is that it's old. It is not built on convenience or being fast and quick and accommodating. It is not super luxurious. I mean, you can obviously find luxurious places to live, but if you were just coming over here as like a 20 or 30 year old and you wanted to, you know, find a few roommates to live with or even live alone, that's obviously doable, but the buildings are old. You are not going to find an elevator to move all your stuff. That is the hardest thing to wrap my head around, that you would have to move a couch, a dresser, a nightstand all by yourself or with some movers up the stairs. Uh, there's no AC usually, so most people get a fan or they get like one of those window ACs. And then heat during the winter, most of it is central heating. So it's really, really cold during the winter. I remember having like 20 blankets at one point and getting wool socks and sleeping in turtlenecks because I was so cold all the time. And yeah, again, elevators are hard to come by. I don't know that any building that I went to to visit a friend or that I've lived in in Europe has ever had an elevator. Like I'm really thinking out loud right now. I'm like, mm, I, I really can't recall. Now, again, this is not every single building. There are some that have elevators. So if you were to ever come over here and move and that was important to you, then definitely ask someone, can I have a building with an elevator? Because if you don't want to climb five flights of stairs, then you probably want to find an elevator. I will say my quads and my ass are definitely toned from walking up all the stairs in my German flat. I think I lived on the third floor. And then since bopping around, I've stayed with people that live on the second floors, on the fifth floors, um, even going to some Airbnbs and hotels and things like not all of them have elevators. So I am very used to walking up and down stairs now. It's just common. Like I don't even expect elevators to really be anywhere unless it's at a train station or airport. Okay, so let's talk about inside living in a flat. I've only lived in Germany and Spain for a longer period of time. And usually you share a flat because it's obviously just way cheaper. So you share a flat, that's pretty common. 
And I find that the fridges and the showers are so small. I remember going to the shower in our German flat and I was like, this cannot be the shower. Like this must be the shower for the dog. And then there must be a separate shower for the human because there's no way this little shower is for us. And after like six months, not even six months, maybe like three months, I just got used to it. But I remember going in that shower being like, I don't even know where I'm going to put my soap and be able to bend down and grab it or do anything because there were no uh, shelves. There were no places to like put the soap or anything. So I'm like, what am I going to do? And I remember looking at the fridge and we shared a flat with other people. And I was like, uh, we're going to have to get our own fridge or we're going to have to buy a bigger one for the kitchen. And people were like, what are you talking about? You just have your like shelf that you put your food in and that's it. So we were splitting a fridge amongst, I think, five or six roommates. We ended up getting two. So thank God <laughs> we had two fridges. But I want to reiterate, this is not the fridge that you see in America that's big, that holds all your food for like three months with ice and water coming out of it and a huge freezer. That's not the case. These are like basic, basic fridges that have maybe three shelves with little baby freezers that have like two shelves or two drawers. So imagine all these people splitting that fridge. So when we did groceries, and when I say we, I'm talking about my previous partner, we would have to actually like pick the shelf that we we're going to go on and like put our food in and then only buy for that week. And even that week, when I say week, it was like three days. So I remember being like, what the hell is this place? I need a full fridge. I'm used to living alone. I lived in Chicago where I had a nice apartment and I had a massive fridge and I could buy stuff for the whole month. And going grocery shopping like every three days felt impossible to me. I remember the first month or two, I was like, I don't like this. I don't like that every single three days we have to go do a whole new haul of groceries when we could just get a fridge that would house everything. Eventually, I ended up loving it because during lockdown, we were cooking so much that it was nice to have like a fresh meal and not have to, you know, pick up scraps from things that you had in the back of the fridge or back of the freezer because we would just truly buy for those three days. It taught me to become actually pretty efficient with grocery shopping too, because when I went there, I would just say, okay, I need to get stuff for the next three or four days. I'm not going to be piling on groceries to last me for a month because it, the fridge just doesn't have that much room. And I found that to be the case in other places when I would visit friends in Spain or the UK and even families' houses, the fridges were not big. They were just like, everybody has their own little shelf and that's what you get and you just expect to go grocery shopping every three days. Now, coming from Florida, where I went to like a massive Publix and again, Chicago, where I'd go to like a massive Trader Joe's and do these huge hauls and come with bags of groceries home. This was a big adjustment. So I remember the very beginning. That was pretty hard for me. In terms of moving here and finding a visa, I would actually recommend that you come on a tourist visa to Europe before deciding if you want to live here. Because first and foremost, every single country is different. So I would recommend bopping around all the countries and seeing what you like or going to the ones that really pique your interest. And then from there, staying there for a while. So let's say you bop around and you end up in Spain and you're like, oh my God, I love it here. You have 90 days as an American to stay there. So you could stay in Spain for a full three months and decide, okay, yeah, I want to live here more permanently and then look at staying longer term with a permit. Now, if you are going to the UK, the UK exited the EU in the last year. So that's what Brexit was all about. So they're not actually part of this 90 day visa thing anymore. 
they have actually a six-month visa that you can come and visit as a tourist as an American citizen. Now, don't quote me on all this. I don't know if things have changed since COVID. I don't know if the requirements have been updated. So obviously do your research. But I can tell you right now, I am in the UK and I know I have six months if I wanted to to stay. And that in the EU, you can stay for 90 days with a Schengen Zone visa. So that's what it's called. The Schengen Zone is a group of countries that made an agreement that you don't have to have an individual visa or permit for every single trip that you do to those countries. So you have to look at what's in the Schengen Zone, and that's what that 90-day visa is for. So some countries that are not in the Schengen Zone are Croatia, um, Montenegro. I don't think Malta's in there. So again, you have to check these things out on the internet and not just make assumptions that you can come to every single country in the EU because it's not true. There's a group of countries called the Schengen Zone and that's what the 90-day visa is for. Now, let's say you do decide you want to settle down in a country. I would 150,000% recommend finding help. I know that's not even a real percentage. But finding an agent or a lawyer or a group or organization or something to help you with your visa would be absolutely recommended, especially in Germany. There is no way in hell I would have gotten my German permit if I didn't have the help of the company I used, which was called Expat Launcher, by the way. So this company spoke German so they could communicate with the German authorities. And German Germany is extremely tough with their visa process. They require so much information. I seriously think I submitted 50 plus papers during the time of me trying to get the visa. It's actually called a permit, by the way, which I just learned. A visa is to get in the country and a permit is to stay. So I need to shift my language a little bit. When I was applying for my permit, I started looking into it and I was just Googling things like, you know, what do I need? And there were bloggers that would make a whole list of like, here's the checklist, here's what you need. But in German specifically, I don't speak German. So I was like, I don't know what these terms are. I don't know what this tax office is. I don't know how to file myself. I don't know anything. So I would absolutely recommend hiring someone to help you. And I know that they have companies like the one I used in other places. So just Google like, you know, visa help or permit help in the country you want to live in, because depending on your visa, it could actually be really complicated and you don't want to mess it up and then get denied and then have to reapply for one and pay for a whole new one or permit. Again, I need to shift my language. Um, I was on a freelancer permit in Germany. And I had to prove all these different things that I had letters of intent. I had to create a financial plan, a business plan, um, even my title. I had to adjust a little bit for the German authorities because, you know, mindset manifestation coach did not really look like a real job to the German authorities. So we updated it to be like a business and mindset coach. And again, I had all this help with the company I used called Expat Launcher. I also had to have insurance. I had to have an address and all these things were re- re- required to get my permit. Now, I know that's not the case everywhere. I know if you teach English abroad, that visa is a lot easier or that permit. Sorry, that permit is a lot easier because you are a native English speaker. So when you come abroad and they want a native English speaker, then it's pretty easy to get that permit because you don't need to really prove anything. Like you're, if you're from America, that's the first language. And if you are a native American speaker, then it's okay, you're good to go. So I find that the English um, permits are really easy to get versus like something I did, a, per, a freelancer or business permit. You have to prove a lot of things. There's a lot more legal paperwork, a lot of tax paperwork. And whew, like even talking about it, I'm getting exhausted thinking how much I had to do to get that permit. So absolutely find help. 
Now, I want to talk a little bit about like dating and the people and the culture and things like that. So I found in pretty much every country in Europe, sex is way more open and talked about. There is not this whole like purity culture thing of like, oh, she's a virgin and yeah, I've only had sex with this many people or she's a slut. Like, I don't remember anybody using that terminology, anybody using those words. I rarely even heard people like talk badly about their hookups or good about their hookups. Where in America, I find that people when they're talking about their hookups are either like dissing them or praising them. And I found when people would hook up with people in Germany, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, what, like we hooked up, like moving on. And there was never, again, I never heard anybody talk um, derogatory or negatively about people that were more sexually open, where I do feel like in America, there is that whole slut shaming um, issue that happens. And I find that people definitely judge you for how you have sex, where you have sex, who you have sex with, where in Europe, I don't really find that to be the case. Again, I'm generalizing here. I'm sure there's certain countries that this is very similar cultures and very different cultures but for example at the airport in germany you could find in the bathroom you could buy in those like little things that you buy tampons in you can buy a vibrator a cock ring lube condoms like i was like okay it's like a little sex shop in the airport bathroom and i found that to be the case in a lot of european countries you'll also find sex shops all over like right next to your shopping center There'll just be a sex shop where you can buy toys and outfits and, you know, whatever you need to to enhance your sexual experience. And that's very normal. I, again, do not remember people talking about sex in a negative or positive way. It's just kind of like, yeah, we have sex. What's the deal? And here's an example, too. I remember staying with my ex and his parents and I was like, are they going to be okay with us staying in the same room? You know, this is your family home. And I know we're older, but like still... He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I don't know. Some some people's families like don't want the couples to stay in the same room because they know they're going to be having sex. And he's like, what? Like, yeah, of course we're dating. Of course we're going to be doing that. And I just remember being like, oh, that wasn't the case with my family. Like, I remember being 26 or 27, bringing a boyfriend on a trip and my family wanted us to sleep in separate rooms. And it wasn't until I sat down and convinced them like, hello, we're dating. We're adults. Like, we should be able to stay in the same bed that they agreed. But in Germany, even though they are a little more reserved, it's just obvious. Like, yeah, if you're dating, you're probably having sex and it's okay. Like, we're not going to judge you for that or like try to keep you away from each other. And I find, again, in America, that wasn't always the case. It's interesting, too, because I've been watching 90 Day Fiance. And this happens a lot when the foreigners come to to America and and the American lives with the parents. I find that the parents are like, you're not staying in the same room. You're going to stay in our guest room and our son or daughter is going to stay in this other room. I'm like, that's so interesting because the foreigners are always like, what the hell are they talking about? Like, this is my husband or this is my fiance. And when the person, the American goes to their country, it's like, yeah, obviously, like we're going to live alone or we have our own room. So I find that really, really interesting. Um, What else? Just, yeah, the, the talk of it is more open. I remember one of my roommates one time just bought all these sex toys and they were laying in the kitchen and I was like, kind of like shocked, like, oh my God, like, why are these all out on the kitchen table? And he's like, what? Like, it looked like he just went shopping at Target and got a few like decor pillows. He was like, what? Like, yeah, like not a big deal. Like I'm seeing a girl and we want to try these things this weekend. I was like, oh, okay. So it made me really open to the idea of expressing my sexuality more and really just like understanding it's okay. Like you don't need to be ashamed or feel guilty or 
try to hide what you like and don't like. And I found that pretty refreshing to be over here and talk to people about it in a much different way than I had ever talked to Americans. And again, even people that, um, even women specifically, I'll, I'll say women, I know in America, when you start having a lot of sex, people will say, oh, she's a slut. She's easy. She's a whore. She sleeps with people on the first date, da, da, da. Here, I do not recall one single conversation where I heard someone call a girl a slut or easy or anything or judge them for having sex early or a one night stand or anything. So I actually find that, again, refreshing. And that's one of the reasons I like living over here is people are way more open and you don't feel like you have to hide parts of yourself. Also, I have a little story about Barcelona, and I want to save this for a bonus episode, so I will just kind of like tease it out. But basically, I was invited to a group sexual experience, and I declined. And I was just like, wait a second, is this normal? And the bartender was like, you clearly haven't like been to Barcelona. Like this is this happens all the time. People are having threesomes, people are having orgies, like this is what happens here. And I was like, okay. And then I would talk to other people and just get to know Europeans and again, like threesomes and orgies and having sex outside. It's just like refreshing that people are like open to it and no one really cares. So yeah, if you wanna uh <laughs> explore your sexuality, definitely come to Europe. Now, what else was I going to talk about? Dating. Dating is really different depending on the country you're in. So, for example, this past weekend I was in London and we were at a party and I was like, oh, there's a cute guy. And my American friend was like, yeah, you're going to have to go talk to him because he's not going to come talk to you. I was like, really? I, I find British guys to be like confident and they're always like funny and outgoing. And she's like, no, no, no. When you're in London and trying to date, like you have to make the move. They are not going to come up to you. I'm like, wow, that's so interesting. I had a different impression of that. Again, 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 I want to be clear. I'm sure you you all have met some British boys that have made the first move. I know I have. But in general, I was hanging out with American girls all weekend who have been living in London long term. And they're like, rarely do you go out to a bar and a guy just comes and hits on you. Where I was like, that's interesting because in America, it's the opposite. You go to a bar and there's like five guys hitting on you and you have to like navigate your way through the bar and you know someone's going to talk to you and you have to pick which ones you want to say hi to and which ones you don't. And apparently that's not the thing in the UK. In Germany, I can't really say that I've, you know, dated in Germany because I was with a partner in Germany and we had met in Australia. So I will say just from observing that I find German women to be pretty reserved and kind of German guys. I will say the guys are a little more outgoing from what I've seen. There were obviously outgoing girls that I met. But what I mean is I found the guys to make more moves on the girls in Germany. And in terms of dating, like people are just straightforward there. I remember when I was dating my previous partner, when I wanted to visit, he was like, oh, yeah, you're my girlfriend. Like, obviously. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, shouldn't we have the talk or be exclusive? Or like, is that how easy it was? You know how American girls are like, when should I ask what we are? You know, is this, are we a thing? Are we exclusive? My ex was like, yeah, you're my girlfriend. So I found that to be fascinating. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that was easy. And I think that happens a lot. I just remember even recently when I was leaving Germany, one of the roommates had met a girl, actually two of them, and they're just like, yeah, we like each other. And I think she's my girlfriend now. And that's it. I'm like, oh, OK, you guys are just like straight into the point of like, yeah, we like each other. We like hanging out. Why would we not be boyfriend and girlfriend and continue seeing each other in exclusive? That makes no sense. 
I don't really find that they're like playing all these silly games and trying to make each other jealous and, you know, playing these like social media, passive aggressive uh, games where, you know, uploading captions that are like subtweeting the other person. Like that's not going on in Germany. People are very straightforward about what they want and how they feel, which is refreshing. And in Spain, so I've never actually dated a Spanish guy because when I've been over there and I've dated, it's always ended up being an international person or an American. So I can't really speak on dating in Spain, but again, I do know they are very sexually open and people are like down for whatever. They're again, very passionate and open. And I, I really like that about Spain. So that's all I know about dating though there. Okay. I'm trying to think of other things. I feel like food is probably a big one you are wondering about. Very different everywhere, obviously. I mean, hello, like Italian food is so much different than English food, so much different than German food. I found the most surprising thing about Germany is that they eat a lot of bread and a lot of potatoes. And I think as Americans, we assume they eat sausage and pretzels because that's what we see. And that was not the case. I think I had a pretzel once when I was there and it wasn't even good. It was like cold and dry and hard. And I actually had two and they were like that beer cheese is not real. <laughs> so if you're like, oh, they eat uh, pretzels and beer cheese. When I say beer cheese, Germans are like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not a thing. And yeah, I went over there and the bread, I found out it's actually the bread capital of the world. I'm like, what? I had no idea. So everybody's eating bread all day long. I'm really not kidding. Like my ex would eat bread every day for breakfast. Our roommates would all eat bread. When we would go to his family's house, everybody's eating bread all day long. I even remember Easter brunch. He was like, okay, my family's making Easter brunch. And I was like, oh yes, I can't wait. Like, you know, I'm thinking a full spread with all these different things. And we get up there and it was literally bread rolls and honey and jams and, and butter. I was like, oh, so this is like the appetizer? He's like, no, this is like, this is what we're eating. This is brunch. And that's very common. You'll find people are always eating bread rolls, always going to the bakery. Bakeries are massive here. In our little tiny town in Germany, there were probably, I don't even know, 12 bakeries within like a one mile radius. So people are always going to the bakeries to get fresh bread and they're, that's what they're eating constantly, as well as potatoes. People just eat potatoes like a lunch meal. Like it's not a side. They'll eat it as a main thing, which I found fascinating. Now in Spain, you all know tapas are big. And I found that to be the case with pretty much everywhere I went in Spain. I've been to Barcelona, Ibiza, Mallorca, San Sebastian, Valencia, Madrid. Uh, I've been to a lot of places in Spain and tapas are always really popular. And I love tapas because you get to try a bit of everything. I know some people hate tapas. They're like, why am I paying all this money for all these little dishes? Where for me, I think you can go to places and find cheaper tapas. But I like doing that. I'm like, oh, I can have a little bit of shrimp and a little steak and maybe some cheese and maybe some veggies. And you order them and they're so quick that you can kind of like gauge if you're full or not before you keep ordering. Where obviously like in America, for example, if you order, you already know you're going to get a huge portion because that's just how it is in America. And like, that's your meal, you know? So it's like, that's your meal and that's what you got. Where in Spain, if you're ordering tapas, you can have, let's say, shrimp and some cheese and then decide, okay, I'm hungry. I want a little bit more. You put your order in, it comes out five minutes later. Okay, I want a little bit more. So I like that because I can start to gauge, am I starving? Am I stuffed? Do I need to add like one more tapas? Do I need one more tapa? Do I need to just stop eating? So I actually pretty much, I like that way of eating, but I obviously know not everybody does. And I will say after spending like almost a month there, 
there were periods of time where I was like, okay, I don't want tapas anymore. Like, I just want a plate with a main entree and a side dish and a salad, and that's what I want. And obviously, speaking as if like every single place in Spain is a tapas place, there are places where you can just get main entrees, and usually even in tapas places, they have the main entrees. But I like doing the tapas thing when I'm there because it feels like so Spanish and so authentic. And I will say my favorite tapas are probably the shrimps in the garlic sauce. And they usually put them in this like really hot sizzling pan. And there's like a ton of olive oil and garlic and red pepper. Oh, making me drool right now. And in Germany, I'm trying to think what would my favorite dish be. German food is not my favorite. I will tell you that. Um, I don't know. I just remember grocery shopping in in Germany and being like, what is this? You all probably remember my stories where I would do like grocery trips and just be like, imagine putting this on your plate or like imagine eating this for breakfast because I could not believe some of the things I was seeing. So I don't know. I guess like if I had to pick a favorite German meal, it probably would be like a sausage. They had a a food market right outside of the place we lived and I would always get like, it was basically a hot dog, but it was a very authentic German sausage with mustard and ketchup. And I do like that. So I guess that would be it. I feel like I'm missing some things. Uh, Where I was too, they ate a lot of fish because we were in the Northeast close to the water. So there were a lot of fish dishes, a lot of sauerkraut, a lot of potatoes. And yeah, it's just something I was not used to eating coming from Australia and the USA. And then in the UK, okay, so the UK, people know this, that this is like a stereotype that their food is just bland and all they eat is fish and chips. And I will say, depending on where you go, that could be the case. I find in London, there's obviously so many restaurants that you can find something that is not just fish and chips and bland. So for example, I was just there last weekend and I went to a market every day and I would go to the different, I would try something different every day. Like I had dumplings, then I had a cheeseburger, then I had wok noodles. And so for me, I'm like, oh, I thought the food was good, but it's probably because it's not traditional English food, right? I'm eating dumplings and wok noodles at a market. But if I were to pick a place or something to eat in the UK, like a traditional English meal, it probably would be fish and chips with like the vinegar and salt and go to like a really nice pub. And I think this might surprise people. I actually really like English breakfast. So if you're not familiar, English breakfast, you usually get it at a pub or you can go to a restaurant obviously too, but it's this full plate and it has eggs, toast, baked beans, um, like a grilled tomato or like kind of sauteed tomato, mushrooms, sausage. I feel like that's it. If someone's British, DM me and let me know. It's a pretty big thing. I feel like if you're in America, it would be comparable to like the Denny's Grand Slam or something because it's a lot of food. But I really like it. I feel like whenever I get the English breakfast, I'm like, mm, okay. So yeah, I don't know much about the UK food because I feel like every time I've been here it's been more on holiday not to fully live and immerse myself or I'm grocery shopping or something because of COVID so I need to report back and have more like traditional UK food. I haven't even done tea now that I think about this out loud like a whole tea and cake day so I need to look into that and make that part of my agenda for the week. And then grocery shopping I know I was hinting at this in Germany the stores are definitely smaller. Like you will not find a supersized Publix or supersized Trader Joe's, um, at least where I was living, by the way. And I noticed that when you walk into the grocery stores, especially in Germany, it starts with the produce and the health aisles, which I found fascinating. Like 
in America, I remember walking into Publix and you immediately walk into the like BOGO traps, you know, buy one thing at Oreos, get one free. And then you walk into a huge end cap, which are those like crazy kind of like setups and decorations at the end of an aisle. Uh, you usually see them a lot when there's an event like Super Bowl or summer, or there's a big promotion and there's like signs and all the products being displayed. And then it will lead you to more of the like middle aisles, which if you know anything about how grocery stores are laid out, the middle aisles are um, the ones where there's like more dry food or maybe frozen food or the outer aisles are like the produce and the veggies and the fresh fish and the fresh meat, etc. So in Germany, the way it was laid out was you walk in directly into the produce area. And then when you turn the corner, you're in the health aisle. Now, in I remember very specifically in Florida when I went to Publix, and I was walking around, I was like, where can I find chia seeds and cacao nibs? All I want are these two things. And it was like in this random little corner on the whole opposite side of the grocery store, hidden on a shelf, and you could not find it easily. Where in Germany, it was like very clear as soon as you walked in and you were in this health area, that's where you would find the chia seeds and the cacao nibs. So that was really interesting because it showed me how different our health systems are and how they value health and how people cook with a lot more healthy ingredients because it's so available to them, right? Like when you walk in and that's the first thing you're seeing, your brain is kind of like, okay, well, this is what I'm registering. This is what I'm going to buy. It's kind of hard to walk in and then try to hunt down, I don't know, the most unhealthy thing in the grocery store when the way you're kicking off your shopping is through a very healthy aisle. So it did help to eat healthier there. I ate way healthier in Germany and even Australia those are probably the two places I've eaten the healthiest and cooked more and used more produce than any other place because of how the, the grocery stores were laid out. But they're also smaller. So <laughs> I remember going into the store. I'm like, is this like a like convenience shop or like a sister store or something? And they're like, no, this is the grocery store. And I'm like, wow, I'm just used to really massive places with like high ceilings and the you know annoying grocery store lights and there's a lot of different aisles like 12 plus aisles that you can check out with another whole section of self-checkout no in the place we went it was two aisles usually two people were working um i don't even think there was a self-checkout in the place we went and i think the place when i'm thinking about other places we went there maybe like four aisles but there were never four people working and there would be maybe like four to six self-checkout spots so yeah grocery shopping was definitely different in germany in the uk um i've only really done groceries up north and i've honestly just been aldi so if you've been to an aldi it's not that different than like a trader joe's or something like that but it's way cheaper so shout out to aldi i absolutely love how cheap it is and you can get so many different things there that are organic and good for you for cheap. So that's why I love Aldi, which by the way, I didn't know this. Aldi is German and it's like the person that founded it is the brother of the guy who founded Trader Joe's. So apparently they uh, were trying to go in business together. And one of them was like, no, I want it to be like more affordable and cheap. And one of them had a whole different idea. So they just made two grocery stores. So Aldi and Trader Joe's, um, yeah, I think they have like the same they're made by like the same family, which is fascinating because if you've been to Trader Joe's, you know, it is a little bit cheaper and healthy and that's why people like it, but they just had different concepts. So fun fact. And I didn't know Aldi was German. I remember being in Australia and asking the German guys like, oh, are you going to miss Aldi? And they're like, it's German. It's all over in Germany. I'm like, okay. Shows how limited my knowledge is as an American. Um, what else? I think that's really it about grocery stores. 
Now I'll just run through some very quick like differences is the converters. They're definitely different depending on where you go. The UK and Europe have totally different converters. So make sure you have converters. Water is always on tap or you have to buy a water bottle and they rarely have ice. So when you go to a restaurant, they will give you water in a very small cup, by the way. I, you're not going to get those like XXL cups that you get in America. It is usually a tiny cup with warm water or like lukewarm water. And if you want ice, you have to ask. And that's just a rarity. Like I rarely find that they have ice. The fridges also don't have the ice and water machine. Is that even what it's called? They're like the filter. You know what I mean? When you put your cup up onto the fridge and you get ice and water. Never saw that anywhere. In the UK... Spain, Germany, never ever saw that. Um, meal portions are definitely smaller. I think anybody can can figure out that America serves way too big of portions. The trains are really easy to book. And I actually love trains because they have Wi-Fi. There's no luggage limit. It's a smooth ride. And it's very crystal clear of like where you're going. You go to the train station, you get on platform one, you get on your train, and then it just stops at your stop. So I love trains. Um, I feel like once I'm just like really hoping they come to America soon because it would be so easy to get around but I really just like that there's no luggage limit and no one's sitting there like weighing it and seeing if your bag is too big and you got to go and check it it's like no you just bring it on that's also the annoying thing though is if you have a lot of luggage trying to get it all on the train by yourself and then figure out where to put it can be a bit hard um but I just do like how easy it is to book them okay what else the metric system totally different they use Celsius versus Fahrenheit. So when I hear people talk about the weather, they'll be like, oh my God, it was like 25 all week. I'm like, oh, 25 in America is snowing and I'm still not used to it. I feel like the rule that I've made up in my head is just times it by three and then add a little bit. So when someone says 25, okay, so like times three, that's about what, 75 and then add a little bit. So I think it's like 78, 80, somewhere around there. That's my rule of thumb. I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to it. And I've looked it up to see if there's like a, an easy calculation. And I feel like that calculation works for me. So that's what I do. And then I just go to my phone and check what the actual weather is in Fahrenheit. <laughs> and it's funny how you heard me just say the actual weather as if they say it wrong. This is something I notice is Americans do have this superiority complex where we think our way is right. So they'll say the date or, you know, the weather or a, me a measurement and we'll, Americans will jump in and be like, that's not how you say it or that's the wrong way or you're not saying it the right way. And it might be subtle, but I'm pretty observant. And I pick that up where I'm like, oh, we do often say like, oh, you're saying it the wrong way. And I had to have people tell me, no, 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 we're not saying it the wrong way. You have your own way and we have our own way. So there's no right or wrong way. And I noticed that even with it's not even just like metric system or saying the weather or anything. It would just be like how you wash your dishes or how you clean your veggies or how you put laundry away. We do it so differently. And I would be like, that's not the right way. And people would be like, no, it's just not your way. And so that's something I really had to learn is I do think Americans are limited in our history and knowledge of the world that we just assume everything we do is the right way, the correct way, the fastest way, the best way. And that's not always the case. I feel like I got really humbled in Germany with that because people are so blunt and especially my ex was very blunt and our roommates were blunt that I would say something and they would have to tell me like, no, actually just your way. It doesn't mean it's the right way. I'm like, okay, true. Okay. Okay. I got it. 
ego is a little bruised, but I understand. And like, for example, I remember you guys probably saw this on my story. People would put their lettuce in the sink and okay, they would fill up the sink and put their lettuce in there and like let it float so that the dirt or whatever was on it could get to the bottom and then they would drain it. And I was just like, that seems so silly. Couldn't you just put it in a strainer or literally hold it and rinse it off? And they're like, well, no, because then you're, it's going way too fast. You need to give it time so this stuff can actually disintegrate off of it. Da da da. I just remember being like, that's not like the right way to do it. And people were like, no, again, it's just not your way. I'm like, okay. Like I said, I need to learn. And I think that's really important if you are an American coming here, don't assume that everything is done the American way or your way or your family's way because people do have different backgrounds and cultures and it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means that it's different. Now, what else? The quality of food, definitely better. I remember going to Italy and getting pasta and I remember being like, I'm going to be so sick, but we're in Italy and I want to have pasta. And I think I got like truffle ravioli which in America, that would have knocked me out for the whole weekend. I actually stopped eating Italian food in America because every time I eat it, I get so sick. I have to lay down. Like, I just feel like shit because of how much butter and oil and cheese and salt and whatever else is in it. Where in Italy, it was so fresh and homemade and the ingredients were such higher quality that my sister and I split the pizza and the ravioli and I was fine. We were walking around. I had energy. We went out somewhere else that night. I'm like, this is really weird because this would have totally knocked me out in any other place. And I found that to be the same case even in Germany. Like when we would have pasta or anything that traditionally would make me really sick in America just would not happen in the other countries. Okay, driving is only different in the UK, Australia, and maybe a few other countries. But in Germany, you actually do drive the same way in the same side of the road that you would in America. Uh, Spain, I think it's the same. I do know in UK and Australia, it's different. Whenever I would get Ubers or get in a friend's car, I would get so confused and be like, what side of the road do I get on? Wait, why are we turning that way? We need to turn the other way. Just the other day, my friend and I went driving around. I'm like, this is freaking me out because I've been in Germany for a year where we drive like we do in America. And it feels like you're about to head on into like oncoming traffic. So I'm still not used to the different ways of like driving on opposite sides of the road. And I haven't even driven. So I have not actually driven a car in any of these countries. This is me speaking from being in friends' cars or Ubers where, yeah, it's still very weird. Uh, what else? Oh, meal times. I wanted to talk about this. Depending on where you are, your meal time will be so different. Spain is very slow. And I'm talking like turtle slow. They are so, so, so slow because it's such a tradition and ritual there to be able to sit down and eat with your family and celebrate and, and talk to your friends and like have off. And it's totally like a ritual, which I remember moving there in the beginning uh, when I lived there. I was like, hell no, I am not sitting at a restaurant this long. I have shit to do. I need to go. They need to hurry up. I need to take my food on takeaway. Like I got to get out of here. And then after a month, I was like, okay, this is the culture. And then eventually I remember loving it. Like I loved that we would spend so much time at dinner and take our time and digest our food and laugh and talk. It was like the same thing as going out to, you know, girls night at a bar, but you're just at a restaurant. And I, I know people don't love that. I've been with friends to Spain that they're like, 
wow, this is taking so long. Like I'm miserable. We got to hurry. I want to get out of here. So if you're in a rush and you're eating in Spain, you're going to have a problem because they do not move quickly. You really have to get their attention to get the bill and hurry up with your food and go if that's the pace that you're on, because that's not how they operate. It's like, it's almost like a ceremony to them. Germany was faster. I do remember that, but I will say because we were in lockdown for so long, we didn't eat out that much. I, I can count on maybe both hands how many times I ate out because the lockdown was so serious. You could only go to uh, the grocery store at one point. That was literally it. So I didn't go to that many restaurants when things started opening up. But I will say I, I would compare it to America. Like they're pretty quick. Um, you know, if you need something to go, they'll wrap it up really quickly. They can bring you the check really quick. But big, big news almost everywhere in Germany takes cash, which to me is so funny because Germans are known as being efficient. Like that's kind of their stereotype. And so I'm like, why wouldn't they have the card feature or like being able to use your credit card? Or why wouldn't you be able to tap and use your phone? And everywhere, I'm talking Berlin, Hamburg, big cities, they do not love cards. So have cash if you come to Germany. My family's actually coming back here in uh, December for the holidays. And I'm like, yeah, bring cash because in Germany, like nowhere really takes cards. Of course, you know, some places do, but it's, to me, it was shocking to be in Berlin and Hamburg and have to go to the ATM all the time and get cash out. Now in Spain, I definitely remember being able to use cards a lot. Um, and Spain and Germany both use euros, by the way, the UK uses great British pounds. So just know that if you are switching countries, you need to know the currency and be able to have the, those cash currencies in hand or that your credit card or your debit card, whatever it is, accepts that currency or like can actually go through because I've definitely been in situations where I've like not had the right currency or I didn't have like my American debit card wouldn't work. So now I have an international credit card that's called the Capital One Venture One. I also use this app called TransferWise, which is incredible. It's like kind of like a Venmo abroad, but then it's an e-bank so you can keep your currencies in there. It's kind of hard to explain without showing you, but basically you add money to this e-bank and it can hold different currencies. So like right now I have a little bit of money in my euros currency because I was just in Europe and then I just added money to the Great British one because now I'm in the UK and it's holding both of those balances in there and it can recognize wherever I go if I'm in the UK or Europe to use that currency, which is incredible. And it does the same thing for like Australia, the US. So I love TransferWise. I'm like a major fan of them. And that's how I've been able to get around without having an actual bank in Germany or Spain or anything. So it's pretty easy to figure out. Other than that, I will say the final thing I, I noticed is a massive difference between Americans and Europeans or British is that we care a lot about our looks and what people think of us. Like a lot, a lot, a lot. We are so into how people perceive us. And I'm not even talking about a physical level. Like it's to me, coming here is obvious that we care more about Botox and fillers and boob jobs and skincare. And I will say that's pretty big in the UK. I never found that to be a big thing in Germany or Spain. But even outside of that, I would just I would just remember like getting dressed and going somewhere, being like, oh, they're like, is this gonna be silly? Like Germans are gonna think I'm stupid for wearing this, or like, oh my god, I'm not gonna fit in, or what? Are, you know, what about these shoes or this and that? And it really took me being with my ex and living with other people that were German to be like, relax, like no one cares. No one's going to say anything. That's not a big deal. Like no one even's looking, no one's looking like, and I noticed that even with the way we talk about food, 
I never heard a German or a Spanish person or really any country I visited in Europe talking about tracking their food or what diet they're on or, you know, what, what diet they're starting next week or what exercises they're doing or anything. I, I actually really cannot recall one conversation where food was brought up. Maybe talking to vegans because, you know, they want to talk about the environment and animals and things like that. But I don't remember going into conversations around like, oh, I ate so bad this weekend, time to burn it off. Or yeah, you know, had a cheesecake, got to hit the gym. Like that was never a conversation. I rarely saw scales in people's bathrooms or houses, maybe a few times, but like compared to America, I feel like every bathroom I went into had a scale. And I also didn't find that people were using like Apple watches and tracking everything. Like I said, in America, I know everybody has an Apple watch. I used to have one too. And we would always, always, always track our workouts and upload it to Instagram and share how many calories we burn and how much sleep we got and how far we walked. I really don't see that in Europe. People are very, in in my opinion, intuitive with what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Again, overgeneralizing here. I know that this is not the case with every single European. I found the people I hung out with, it's like they just know this makes me feel like shit, so I'm not going to do it. This does make me feel good, so I am going to do it. And here's an example. In Germany, when I would wake up, my ex and the roommates would actually like open all the windows every morning to like let the sunlight in, let fresh air in, like hear the birds chirping. And then it would be like kind of setting the vibe for the day. And then like eating slowly, taking their time, cutting their bread up, you know, enjoying it, making coffee as a ritual, you know, like taking their time, spreading the butter out on the bread. I'm like, wow, this just, this is shocking to me. Like you guys are these boys just getting ready for a day and they're treating it as if it's like a nice, easy, breezy Sunday morning. And that's how it was every day. I remember being like, I've learned about this on podcasts about like eating slower and eating in the sunlight and, you know, opening your windows and letting nature sounds in. And that's just what they would do intuitively. I found that to be the case with even things I would bring up about sleep or mindset or things. They were just kind of like, yeah, that's common sense. Like, of course, you need a wind down routine. Of course, waking up and letting the sunlight in would be good for you. Of course, going on a walk every day after you eat would be good for you. Like it wasn't this thing where they needed to like hire a coach or take a course or go somewhere to figure it out. It was just like, yeah, duh, like that's common sense. So again, I'm speaking from a Germany perspective. I don't really know about the UK and Spain. I did say Spain eats slow. So I do think they, they understand the power of like eating slow and digestion, but yeah, I really love that. I love how people ate in Europe and how they really appreciate their food and take their time and make it like a whole setting. That was really nice to me. Okay. I feel like that's it. I'm looking through my notes and I'm like, I've covered a lot. I know it was a bit all over the place. There wasn't really a rhyme or reason of what I was talking about, but I wanted to share my experience here. And hopefully this helps you in some way, whether that is where you go or if you want to move and you're trying to figure out where to go and how to get there. Hopefully some of the visa talk helped and I'm an open book. So if you want to DM me and chat about anything and try and figure out where to live or what company to use to help you get over there, anything like that, I am here to help you. 
So just DM me at Chelsea Rife. You can always head to my website, ChelseaRife.com. You can sign up for my email newsletter as well as shoot me a note on the contact page. And as far as business updates, I am in a little bit of planning mode right now and we'll be sharing more updates next week about what to expect in October. There's a lot of changes with podcast coaching and mindset coaching and courses. So stay tuned for that. And just a reminder, anybody that leaves a review for the month of September is entered into a reading with me. So a 30 minute Oracle card reading, shoot your review over, just take a screenshot and send it to info at chelsearife.com or at chelsearife and you'll be entered into the giveaway. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week.